Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water made me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Greetings, saints the Lord bless you and keep you in His loving will. Dear Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask Your grace today, Lord. We ask Your grace to get a very, very important message, one of the most important messages um, across to Your precious people, Lord. And we're asking Your mercy tonight, Your grace tonight. Lord, your good news is the very best. And um, it saddens me to know that so many of your people don't have the revelation of the good news. We think that that's a basic, that that's a foundation. But not these days, Lord. It's just, um, it is a basic that people do need desperately, Lord, to know that you've provided all things for them. It's already done. It's finished. Lord, we're just asking for your mercy today, Lord, to get this revelation across, to fill your people's heart with faith and boldness, to be able to apprehend everything that you have provided for them. In the name of Jesus, Father, thank you. Thank you. Oh, Lord, we thank you for this precious word. You know, in Romans 1 and 16... Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. The power of God unto salvation. Why do so many of God's people not have any power? Well, because they are ashamed of the good news. Uh, the good news is a powerful revelation that when we exercise faith in it, God imparts His power to us to save in all things. Notice that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Salvation in the scriptures is general, in the New Testament is generally the word soteria and um, the, the noun and uh, sozo is the verb. And it actually means, has a wonderful meaning of deliverance and um, salvation, as you know, preservation, healing, provision. God has provided our every need according to his riches and glory in the scriptures. Many people limit salvation to such a very narrow band of revelation. But it's very, very big. We asked a, a local man who was a Greek, you know, what soteria meant to him. And he said, it means all of my needs supplied like a little baby. And I've never forgotten that. And as I researched the scriptures, I found out that's exactly what it means. All of our needs supplied. Well, it is to the believers. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Not necessarily to the what we loosely call Christians, but to the believers to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
For therein is revealed a righteousness, because we're accounted righteous by our faith. You know, the, the people who walk by faith are the ones who are justified in the New Testament. For therein is revealed a righteousness. Accounted righteous means justified, right? Of God, from faith unto faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live, literally it says, from faith. The righteous shall live from faith. God puts a high premium on people who believe his word and act upon it. You know, faith without works is dead, and I will show you my faith by my works. People who act on what the word says will see results. They will receive power from God. And um, again, this word salvation is very broad. I want to study that today so we can see that the good news, the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation, that the gospel, the good news, provides us everything we need. Everything we need. Uh, I'd like to go to uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38. But my righteous one shall live literally from faith. The numerics proves that that's the word that belongs there, the numeric pattern. Shall live from faith. Our life comes from faith. Our spiritual, heavenly life comes from faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that shrink back unto perdition, that is destruction. Everyone who shrinks back from the walk of faith is being destroyed. They're in the midst of destruction. They're under the curse. All things which faith delivers us from. But of them that have faith unto the saving of the soul. Now, you know, when you first get saved, it's not your soul that's saved. It's your spirit that's saved. And you bear fruit in your soul as you continue to walk after the spirit. And so he says, unto the saving of the soul. Walking by faith brings us the manifestation of God's salvation in our soul, which is our our um, mind, our will, our emotions. And, uh, and having them in tune with Jesus Christ is what the salvation is all about. It says, Now faith is the assurance of the thing hoped for, and a conviction of things not seen. So, we some versions say the substance of things hoped for, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The good news, the really good news, the gospel, which is the power of God to save you in every circumstance, in every situation, comes because of faith. You believe that you've already received these things. That's what I want to prove to you today. I want to encourage you that you don't have to talk God into anything. He's already made provision for you. It's a free gift. He puts it in your hand. He gave it to you 2,000 years ago, and he will not take it back. You can give it up by not walking by faith, but he won't take it back. Okay? Conviction of things not seen. It's the substance of the thing hoped for. Our faith stands in as substance of the thing that we need. And the thing that we need in every circumstance is salvation. I'm going to prove that to you, because many of you have a very narrow idea of what salvation is. Uh, verse 2, For therein the elders had witness born unto them, 
By faith we understand that the worlds have been framed by the word of God, so that what is seen hath not been made out of things which appear. The word of God has framed the world by the faith of God. God himself creates through faith. And if we are going to be a son of God, we have to do the same thing. Our words will bring forth the creating power of God through us into every situation, every circumstance. But we need to use the substance of the thing hoped for, and that's our faith. We need to give God the substance if we want the thing hoped for, see, because uh, without faith it's impossible to be well-pleasing unto him. And Jesus said, be it unto you according to your faith, and as you have believed, so shall it be unto you. He constantly um, made faith the requirement. And now we see that the things that God is creating are not made out of things which appear in this world. Um, in other words, the things that are made by man. Um, the kingdom of God uh, cometh not with observation. The kingdom of God is the spiritual kingdom that God is building, and he's only building it by faith. The works of man could not be heard in God's temple. The temple that he's building, of course, is his people. No tool could be heard in there. And that's a symbol of the works of man cannot build this. And we know also that, um, well, according to chapter 12, here that all those things are going to pass away. Uh, verse 27, Yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that have been made that those things which are not shaken may remain. Aha, uh -huh. things that have been made by man will be shaken. The works of man, the religions of man, the organizations of man, all these things will be shaken. But one thing will be left, and that is the things that were created through faith. We, like God, learn to call the things that be not as though they were. And our faith has the power to create all of our needs. And verse 28 says, Wherefore, receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us have grace, whereby we may offer service well-pleasing to God, with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. One thing he loves to consume is uh, the flesh of the beast on the, on the altar, right? He loves to consume that. And uh, we need to cooperate with him in that. One way we can cooperate is by believing the good news. And I'm going to share that with you too. But I want to share with you a revelation in Ephesians 2 and 8. Just how great and broad this salvation is. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, For by grace, and we know grace, most of you have considered grace as something that is unmerited, unearned. It is a free gift. You can't work for it. It can only come by faith. And that's what it says here. For by grace have you been saved through faith. And uh, some versions say, are you saved? But the numeric and the Nestle's text, which is the three ancient manuscripts, they say, for instance, um, have you been saved? And uh, because it was accomplished at the cross. And saved here is the word sozo. It's the verb of the noun soteria. Remember, we've discovered how much salvation covered. Well, this word here, 
saved covers all of that too. Everything, all of your needs supplied. And they were all supplied at the cross. That's what salvation is. Many people think that salvation is only the salvation of your spirit. But no, we're going to see that it is also of your soul and of your body and of your circumstances. And all of your needs are met completely. For by grace have you been saved through faith. And that's not of yourselves, the gift of God. Not of works that no man should glory. There it is again. Man's works are not going to be preserved through this time. Your works will fail you, ultimately. Uh, we have a wilderness coming in which man's works won't preserve us, won't work. It'll have to be supernatural power of God out of heaven that meets the needs of God's people in the days to come. And so salvation in that form is not going to be by man. God's not going to permit it. He's not going to per- permit our flesh to save us in the days to come. It's going to be faith. And um, he said, not of works, that no man should glory, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And, of course, that's the works of the Lord, not the works of the flesh, right? So, Ephesians 2 and 8, remember this. Remember this as we look at this word in other places in the Bible, uh, that whatever salvation is, it is it's already been done. By grace have you been saved, and it's only going to come through faith. And uh, so God wants us to believe something in order for us to have the manifestation of our salvation in our life. So if we look and see how this word saved is used, we'll know that whatever God is speaking about with this word, we know that it's already been given to us. That's what it says here, Ephesians 2 and 8. By grace have you been saved through faith. Okay, so uh, I'd like to go first to Luke chapter 7 and verse 50. Or maybe 49, let me see. 48. Luke 7, 48. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. Obviously, he's talking about salvation of her spirit here, huh? And... uh They that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that even forgiveth sins? And he said unto the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Thy faith hath saved thee. Now this is the common understanding of what salvation is all about. And it used the word saved here for the word sozo, which we saw in Ephesians 2 and 8. By grace have you been sozo. Through faith. So, we see here that our, our sozo in this case, what was saved, was already provided. Now, this you, this you know, but I'm going to apply this to other things. This you know that this salvation was already provided at the cross, wasn't it? See, some people say uh, healing isn't a part of salvation, deliverance is not a part of salvation, and they go on and on and on with what's not a part of salvation. But all of that's a lie. And all of that's not scriptural at all. And that's what I'm going to prove to you today. So, we see that your sins being forgiven is, of course, the initial step of salvation, of receiving a new spirit from God. And it says, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Thy faith is what saves your, gives you the initial salvation, right? Before it bears fruit in the rest of your life, it gives you that initial salvation. This is the word sozo. But uh, 
Sozo is also used in many other places, like, for instance, Luke 8 and 43. And a woman having an issue of blood, twelve years, who had spent all her living upon physicians and could not be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. And immediately the issue of her blood stanched. And Jesus said, Who is it that touched me? Well, that's very interesting. Who is it that touched me? And um, and when all denied, Peter said, And they that were with him, uh, Master, the multitudes pressed thee and crushed thee. And Jesus said, Someone did touch me, for I perceived that power had gone forth from me. Can you imagine? Here is the Son of God. And um, here's a woman in need that touched him by faith. One thing we can see here very plainly that God wants us to understand is that you don't have to talk Jesus into this. Why? Because it's already been provided. You don't have to convince him. Don't waste hours trying to get God to do something for you. You're deceived if you're doing that. Because before we get through tonight, you're going to see that God's already given these things unto you. Don't waste your time. Accept it by faith. Now, I'll read on. It says, And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling, falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people for what cause she touched him, and how that she was healed immediately. And he said unto her daughter, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. And the word made thee whole here is obviously talking about a healing. A healing that Jesus didn't even know about until it had already happened because of this woman's faith. She touched him and he didn't know it. It wasn't a matter of him saying yes or no. It was a matter of her faith touching God. And the answer came because it's already been provided. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith, thy faith hath made thee whole. He said this constantly. Thy faith hath made thee whole. See, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for God's faith? Don't wait. She didn't wait. She touched God by faith. She was healed. Hath made thee whole. The word there, made thee whole, is the word sozo. Remember, by grace have you been sozoed, saved, through faith. By grace, have you been saved through faith? You've been healed. In this case, it's about a healing, right? So, by grace, by unmerited favor, have you been healed through faith? Because he's using the word sozo as a healing here, you see. Made whole is the translation, but it's the same word. It's the same word for Ephesians 2 and 8, sozo. And what does that tell you? It tells you that you can translate it the same way. See, And it also tells you in this text that sozo is a healing. Praise be to God. And so it's used this way quite often. I will take another example here. And, and in, in, you know, we see here that healing is a part of salvation. Sozo is the word saved, and healing is a part of salvation. So don't forget that. Don't let people deceive you about that. It's a lie what they're saying. Verse 36. And they that saw it told them how that he that was possessed with demons, this was the demoniac, right? With the legion of demons in him, right? How that he was possessed with demons 
was made whole, saved. You see, when you got demons, you need to be saved. That's the word right there. So, so same exact word. Everywhere else used as saved or made whole or whatever. Okay, same word. So, by grace, have you been delivered through faith? Have you been delivered through faith? Ephesians 2 and 8. Because there, sozo is being used as a deliverance. A mighty deliverance. A powerful deliverance. One that uh, the overwhelming majority of mankind doesn't need. Most people don't have legions of demons, right? Well, at any rate, we see that salvation has to do with deliverance too. Salvation is a deliverance. And then, in uh, Matthew chapter 8, and I think maybe, let's see what verse that is. I'll start in verse 23. And when he was entered into a boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the boat was covered with waves. But he was asleep. Totally entered into the rest here. He wasn't worried about a thing. He knew he was in the Father's hands. You know, fear is one of the biggest destruction in our lives, folks. When we, we react to what we see or feel around us, we give the devil permission to execute the curse upon us. Right? Because fear is faith. It's just faith in reverse. Right? And so... A great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the boat was covered with waves, but he was asleep. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Save, Lord, we perish. Again, there is the word sozo. But in this case, it was being saved from destruction. It, it probably included the idea of uh, protection, you know. And um, they call that saved, sozo. Uh, the verb for Salvation, soteria, right? Save, Lord, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose, and he rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Why are you fearful? In other words, why didn't you take care of this yourself? You know? Why are you fearful? Fearful did not permit them to partake of the benefit of God. Good thing Jesus woke up. You know, because by grace have you been saved through faith. They didn't have faith. They weren't appropriating the benefit of God, of His deliverance, His provision, His safety from destruction. They weren't appropriating this, see, because they weren't exercising any faith. And Jesus woke up with his faith and saved the day. Thank God. You know, um, and there are obviously catch-all books like um, Mark 11 and 24 is an awesome revelation to most people. When they get this revelation and really start acting upon it, you have a miraculous life. But Mark 11:24 is basically saying the same thing I've said so far. Know that salvation covers everything you need, that it's already been done. All of it's already been provided. Okay. And Jesus is saying this in Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, all things whatsoever. That covers it all, doesn't it? 
all things whatsoever. Most of the church doesn't believe this verse. They just jump right over it and ignore it. They've been taught to because they don't believe the power of God is available to us today. And they don't believe the gospel. This is a revelation of the gospel, the real good news. Okay, And it says, all things whatsoever you pray and ask for, believe that you received them. Here it is again. By grace, have you been saved? Notice, what is he saying here? Believe that you received them. It's past tense. Well, received is the, again, the numeric proves that the word here is received, past tense. The Nestle's text also has received. In fact, even the Textus Receptus uh, in the notes has received as Greek. So they didn't put it in their text, but they agreed that this is the Greek, even in the Textus Receptus. So the word is received, past tense. Jesus said, All things whatsoever you pray and ask for, believe you received them, and you shall have them. That's in the physical realm, right? You're supposed to be believing that you have received it. And notice, why is it that we're to believe we have received? Because Ephesians 2 and 8 says, By grace have you been saved. And saved covers everything that we need through faith. And uh, here we have have a, a complete agreement here. And he goes on to say also, which I think is very important, Whensoever you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against anyone, that your Father who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. So, all things whatsoever have been provided, because he tells you no matter what it is, you can believe you received it. And he tells you that because it was all provided at the cross. Turn around, look behind you. Most of you are looking in the wrong direction. You're looking forward. You're asking God, provide this, provide that. Meet this need. Heal me. Deliver me. Whatever. God says, read the word. You'll find out. I already did that. Don't waste a lot of time without faith. This is what faith is. Faith calls the things that be not as though they were. Past tense. It's already been done, folks. Everything about salvation has been completed. If you're waiting for God to do it, you've got no faith. And you're not appropriating the promise. And that's why a lot of people aren't growing up in the Lord. Now, I want to ask you something. If you really believe that you received it all back there at the cross, think about this. This is a really good exercise. I do it. This is a really good exercise. If you really believe that you received it, what do you think you would say? What do you think you would do? What do you think your imagination would be like. In other words, practice meditating on what you would say, what you would do, if, say, for instance, you believe you received already a healing, a deliverance, a provision, a protection. In other words, believing it's already yours. How would you act? What would your mouth be saying? What would your thoughts be doing? You see, faith without works is dead. Many times people say, oh, I believe, I received. But everything else about them is totally backwards to what they would be doing if they'd really believed. You see, their imagination has gone totally wild. Their imagination is is, um, imagining the things of the world, the curse, everything negative, and yet they're trying to believe they received. But a whole part of their being is warring with them, you see. Why? Because 
we are a kind of a schizophrenic being in us, flesh and spirit. But we have, we have the power to cast down vain imaginations. Because if you're born again, you have that power. And so when we cast down these vain imaginations and we begin to speak in agreement with the fact that we've received and, uh, and act and imagine that we've received, your imagination is very powerful. It's, it's not just something that should be used for creation or creative, but we are creative beings, you know, and uh, we've been made in the image of our Father, and our imagination is very powerful when mixed with our faith to do miracles. We'll talk about that some other day. But here's what I want you to remember about this. The believing you've received should take over your whole being, your mouth, your eyes, your feet, everything that you do should be in agreement with the fact that you've already received. If you're trying to apprehend, to go after, to buy salvation in any form, it's because you don't believe you've already received it. See, Believing we've received causes us to cease from our own works so that God may do His. God didn't start His works until we cease from ours. Our works is what keeps God from doing His. He calls it the rest, that we are to enter into His rest. If you believe you've received, what do you do? Well, first thing you do is rest. You cease from struggling, striving after this thing that you need or want. You'd rest. You'd enter into the rest. He calls it the rest. That's our spiritual New Testament Sabbath. Ceasing from our works on His holy day. Okay. And um, another good example of this is um, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse um, 24. Notice everything we've talked about so far is past tense. It's all in the past. And this is the really good news, folks. This is the thing that takes away all of your works, all of your efforts, all of your paycheck, many cases, you know, because it's not necessary. God's going to give it to you. Okay, um, verse 24 says, Who his own self bear, there it is again, it's past tense, it's already accomplished, already finished, by grace have you been saved. Bear our sins in his body upon the tree. That we, having died unto sins, might live unto righteousness. And by whose stripes ye were healed. There it is again. Were healed. We just saw that over there. Sozo. You know. Uh, ye were already healed at the cross. Salvation. By grace have you been healed. See, when you use sozo as a word that identifies healing, well, there, here it is again. By whose stripes ye were healed. Healed. Okay. And so if we believe that we were healed, how are we going to react to the bad news that we hear around us? People walk by sight. You know, all the professional people walk by sight. That's the only thing. They don't know how to get a hold of the power of God unto salvation. They don't know that the uh, gospel, the good news that all this has been accomplished by Christ is the power of God to save you. They can't get a hold of that power. Because they walk by sight, they don't walk by faith. And they receive the bad news because they walk by physical sight, not the good news because they walk by faith. You see, there's a big difference. The spies that went into the promised land, two of them came out with the good news because they repeated what God said. And the rest of them came out with the bad news because of what they saw and what they felt and what they heard, you see. 
And the bad news people fell in the wilderness. And the good news people lived all the way through it and entered into the promised land in their body. Into the promised land. That's very important. That's that's the gospel that we're talking about here. And um, I'd like also to look at uh, Colossians chapter 1. And um, let's go to verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father who made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance. Meet here means able. We can thank the Father that he made us able through his gift of faith that he's given unto us. You know, all have not faith. But he's given to each one of us, that is God's elect, the measure of faith, hadn't he? Okay, so he made us able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. The saints in light means the saints who walk in light. We're able to partake of everything that the saints who walk in light are capable of partaking of, right? And he goes on to say, who delivered, it's past tense again, he delivered us out of the power of darkness. He already delivered us, folks. It's already accomplished. You know, when the devil tells you he's got you in bondage, remember, you are already delivered. Don't buy the lie. Accept the good news that sets free. The good news, which is the power of God to save. If you don't agree with the good news, God can't bring it to pass. People live under the curse all their life, thinking it's the normal Christian life. But the Lord delivered us. And he says here, who delivered us out of the power of darkness. You're not under the power of the devil. The the devil deceives many people into believing that he has power over them, legal power over them. He doesn't have any power. All power in heaven and on earth has been given unto me, says the Lord. Go ye therefore. So he sent out his disciples to exercise that same authority over the devil's kingdom. Right? who delivered us out of the power of darkness and translated, again, it's past tense, translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have our redemption. We already have it. Again, we have our redemption. What is redemption? Well, redemption is a a word, apolytrosis, and it means a release on payment of a ransom. A ransom is paid, when a person is being held captive, when they're uh, in bondage, a ransom is paid to set them free. Well, this has already been done. The price has been paid for us to be set free from bondage to the devil, bondage to the flesh, bondage to the curse. It's already been paid by our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that you can't earn this? It's by grace. Have you been saved through faith? And that's not just yourself either. It's a gift of God. Not of your works as any man should boast. So, redemption, apolytrosis, we've been released from bondage. It's already been accomplished at the cross. And the forgiveness of our sins, praise be to God. And I'd also like to go to 2 Corinthians, because you know there's something even greater that we should know about ourselves there. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 16 says, Wherefore, we henceforth know no man after the flesh. Even though we have known Christ after the flesh, we now know him so no more. And why is that? Because 
after the flesh is like walking by sight, you know. We, we know people by faith. We know ourselves by faith. We know the people that we've prayed for by faith, right? Verse 17 says, Wherefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are passed away, are passed away. They are gone. Everything that we have known ourselves as in the flesh is gone. We know no man after the flesh anymore. All that we've known about ourselves in the flesh is over. Notice what he says. He is a new creation. The old things are passed away. Behold, they are become new. But all things are of God who reconciled us unto himself. So everything has become new because of what Jesus did, the creator of the world, uh, what he did at the cross, when he provided everything new for us. He provided our life, our deliverance, our healing, our provision, our protection, on and on and on and on and on. See? So we should see ourselves in the light of what the Bible says about us. And that is... All things are new. And we'll continue to prove this. But he says here, All things are of God who reconciled us. That's the word katalaso. He reconciled us. He made an exchange at the cross. He took all of our curse and gave us all of his blessing. He took all of our lack and gave us all of his provision. Uh, God supplied our every need according to his riches and glory. You know, at the cross. He gave us all of our need, he made an exchange at the cross. And uh, what he gave to us is everything that we need. And what he took from us is everything that we don't want and can't enter the kingdom of God. And so, this has already been accomplished. All of it's been accomplished. Everything's been accomplished. This is the good news. This is the real good news. That we don't have to strive and struggle and fight for what God has given unto us. And the Lord says he's not reckoning unto them their trespasses, and that he has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. We have the opportunity to share with other people that God has reconciled them to. And we give them this good news of reconciliation, and they become believers in what God has already accomplished for them. And then they can start having miracles too. Neat, huh? So, well, that's, um, that's our ministry. Folks, uh, the Lord has called us to this ministry. And Galatians 2 and 20, I think, is an awesome revelation here. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Have been. There it is again. Have been crucified. You don't have to worry about your old man anymore, folks. People talk so much about we have to walk in the crucified life. We have to be crucified. We have to do this. We have to do that. Think more about like this. You've already been crucified. The old you doesn't live anymore. Reckon yourself to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God. Because at the cross it was accomplished. Now, if you exercise faith in that, the Lord will bring it to pass. He will bring your crucifixion to pass. If you don't, you'll be trying to pick yourself up by your bootstraps and you'll constantly fail. You'll fall short of the glory of God. And... um, I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I that live, but Christ liveth in me. Wow. Since you're dead and he lives, the reconciliation was accomplished at the cross, the exchange 
you were crucified. Christ is now given to you as the gift of God. He is manifesting in you through your faith in this promise. You enter into the rest of your works, resting from your own works, because you believe this promise. He that hath believed doth enter into that rest, the Bible says. You're entering into rest. God's giving you the promise. The land of rest, by the way, is where it was also called the promised land. Because when you enter into the rest, that's where the promises are fulfilled. See, Now, he's given us the real good news here. That we've been crucified with Christ. We don't live anymore. He lives in us. And we're justified by faith in this. You know, the Bible says in um, chapter 16, verse 16 here, we... We believed on Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ. And also, justified means accounted righteous. When you believe these promises that are contrary to your senses, contrary to your eyes, contrary to the things around you, that's when God says you're righteous. Otherwise, you're seeking to be justified by the law. You know what that is? Self-works. And by the justification of the law, nobody will be justified. Uh, Chapter 3 and verse 6 says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned unto him for righteousness. In other words, he was justified. He believed God, and he was reckoned righteous. So when we believe the good news, we're reckoned righteous, and we get this benefit because we are righteous. See? It's unearned favor of God, right? Well, Galatians um, 3 and 13 tells us. I'm going to back up one. Let's see. Verse 11. Now that no man is justified by the law, which is self-works, right, before God is evident. For the righteous shall live from faith. Our life is going to proceed from the gift of faith which God has given unto us. See? It's not that many saints don't have faith. It's that... They don't know how to exercise it, or they don't know what it is, or they don't know that it's demanded. They don't know that it's important. Well, as you can see, it's very important. And um, verse 12, And the law is not of faith, but he that doeth them shall live in them. In other words, if you're going to try to do it by your own works, by the works of the law, then have at it, but God's not going to be in it. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us. The redeemed? Again, is past tense. He redeemed us. Extra And it means to buy out or to purchase a slave with a mind to set him free. Purchase a slave to set him free. What are we slaves of? Again, we're slaves of the curse. We're slaves of the devil. We're slaves of the flesh. We're slaves of our circumstances. And the Lord redeemed us. He set us free from that. Do we believe it? Well, if you do, you're accounted righteous. And if you do, then that's the power of God unto salvation. You see, then God will bring it to pass for you. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. The curse of the law, Deuteronomy 28, is just everything that happened contrary to man's well-being. Because he was in rebellion against God's will. And having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Wow. That upon the Gentiles also might come the blessing of Abraham in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Glory be to God.
And First uh, Peter, chapter one, and verse three, it says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to His great mercy, begat us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Begat us again, born again, born again." Well, you say that's we we all got that. No, born again is much deeper, much broader than just accepting Jesus as your Savior and receiving a new spirit. Because he says in this chapter, by the way, unto us, verse 5, unto a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. And a little bit further down, verse 9, he says, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. Not the beginning of your faith. The beginning of your faith is the salvation of your spirit. You are born again at the cross, spirit, soul, and body. For instance, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, uh, verse 22, it says, again, when you see the word seeing like this in the scriptures, it's talking about seeing something by faith, accepting something by faith, right? The verse before it says, so that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing that you have purified, have already done, Purified your faith, purified your souls in your obedience to the truth, unto the unfeigned love of the brethren, love one another from the heart fervently. Having been begotten, remember he begat us again, unto a living, be, having been begotten again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God. Corruptible seed. So, born again. Here's born again of soul. Now, we're going to have a born again body. Those who walk in bearing the fruit of a born again soul, 30, 60, and 100 fold, will also have a born again body. But notice, your soul is purified through your obedience to the truth. How do you get obedience? You get obedience by giving faith to God. Because then He gives you grace. Grace to obey. And it's His works. For in Christ Jesus were you created for good works. See, it's his works, not your works. If it's your works, it doesn't get you anywhere, right? Salvation is not by your works, it's by his works, right? And Hebrews chapter 10, I like very much Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 10 says, by, by which will we have been sanctified. Sanctified means set apart, set apart from sin, set apart from the curse, set apart unto God. Right? By which part, by which will we have been sanctified through the offering up of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. See, we, without sanctification, no man shall see the Lord, the Bible says. And we are manifesting more and more as we walk in Him our sanctification. But here He's telling us it's already been done at the cross. And then in verse 14 He says, For by one offering He hath perfected, there it is again, hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. He perfected you at the cross. Now, some people say perfection is, is not possible. Well, they don't know what the Bible says, because we're not talking about our power. We're talking about God's power. He hath perfected us. You see, salvation in every form has already been accomplished. And that's why Jesus said, everything that you can ask and believe for, believe you received it, and you shall have it. Wow, think about that. That's an awesome promise, folks. Awesome promise. And uh, uh, especially like uh, Ephesians 1 
in uh, chapter 3, excuse me, 1 and verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us, past tense, He hath blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. He's blessed us with everything in Christ, which is where heavenly places are. Notice, in heavenly places in Christ. He has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And so our faith is, of course, which justifies us, and our faith is what causes God to turn and empower us and to uh, provide for us everything that we need. Uh, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should ho- be holy and without blemish before him in love. He chose us to be holy and without blemish. And this is the way to it. You know, because he's already provided this for us, we're to exercise faith for it. And Second uh, Peter 1 and 3 also is very good. Second Peter 1 and 3 says, Again, we're we're coming to this word seeing again, right? I want to go back to verse 2. Grace to you and peace be multiplied in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Seeing, seeing, again, we're seeing by faith. We're seeing with our eyes of the Spirit here, not the eyes of the flesh. Seeing that his divine power hath granted unto us all things. Hath granted. You have to see that it's been done. This is the good news. This is the gospel. You have to see that it's been done. Use your imagination. See that it's been done. Confess that it's been done. Thank God that it's been done. This is the gospel that saves. The other gospel is not the real gospel. Hath granted unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us by his glory and virtue. Without knowledge... You won't do this, folks. You have to know what we're looking at right now. This is knowledge. How do you know what to exercise faith in without knowledge? You have to know what's been given unto you. So you know how to exercise faith. So that you can know how to believe God, you know. And um, can you do that? Can you exercise doing that? Can you practice doing that? Seeing that God has already given unto you everything you need. That's the real gospel. That's why it's called the good news. And it is. The good news is the power of God to save everyone that believes it. Wow. This is why living by faith is so important. Everything that you need from God has already been provided. You don't have to beg him. And you won't be heard for your much speaking, Jesus said. Many people think a simple prayer is not enough. Well, if you have faith, it is. I mean, there is the prayer of importunity. When you don't have any faith, you pray and you pray and you pray until God gives you the faith, and then you can receive, right? But there's the prayer of faith, which calls the things to be not as though they were. Faith is the substance of the thing hoped for, while there's no evidence seen. You believe you've received. That's what faith is, believing you've received. And God says, for that, you are righteous. He wants to see people who have faith. He was discouraged with the people who didn't have any faith in the wilderness. How long will this people not believe in me? He even said he was going to wipe them out and make of Moses another people. Well, I want to read down a little bit further here. It says, um, Through the knowledge of him that called us by his own glory and virtue, whereby he hath granted unto us his precious exceeding great promises. 
hath granted unto us his precious and exceeding great promises, that through these you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that's in the world by lust. You know, these divine promises are for the purpose of giving us the divine nature of God and causing us to escape the corrupt old nature of the old man. And you're a righteous person, so God will do it for you. Why are you righteous? Because you believe what it says right here, right? You believe what it says. And uh, I like what um, the Lord said in, in John chapter 12. Turn there with me. I hope you all are turning because this is good. You find these places. You can mark them. And um, John 12 and verse 31. You think you got a problem, right? The devil made me do it. You remember Flip Wilson? Yeah. John 12 and 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Well, somebody say, well, Jesus made a mistake there. He's still around. I know it. I talked to him this morning. <laughs> no, the devil is, was cast out. His power was broken at the cross. That's why he said now, because it was happening right there. It, he was conquered. Don't worry, folks. Your enemies have been destroyed by the cross. And we also have chapter 16 and verse 33, which gives us the idea. It says, These things have I spoken unto you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Now, maybe you understand that he actually did do that. He actually overcame the whole wide world. Everything in our life that's contrary to godliness, he took care of it already. He conquered the devil, the world, the flesh, everything. He took care of it. And 19 and 30 says, Jesus said when he was on the cross, he said, It is finished. It is finished. Glory be to God, folks. It is finished. He finished it all. He conquered everything. He provided all. All of our needs supplied. Like a little baby. Soteria. It's been taken care of. Now you know why Paul said in Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply your every need according to his riches in glory. Why? Because he's already provided it. He's already given it to you. It's yours. So he's not going to withhold it from you. All you have to do is go to him by faith. Believing you have received. I think continue on with what we were talking about. The real good news of what the Lord has done for us. Maybe I ought to go back just a little bit and um, refresh your memory a little. We discovered an awesome revelation in the scriptures. How that, well for instance Ephesians 2 and 8 says, By grace have you been saved through faith. And that's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we discovered that the word saved there uh, is used all through the Scriptures, although it's translated in different ways, like made whole, delivered, or saved from um, danger. Uh, it's used in throughout the Scriptures for salvation and healing and deliverance and provision and all these things. And when we apply that to the verse, Ephesians 2 and 8, by grace have you been saved, healed, delivered, provided for, protected, uh, so on and so forth. 
we discover that this has all been done. By grace have you been saved, healed, delivered, so on and so forth. And uh, through faith. In other words, the only way that we can take advantage of uh, our benefits is through faith. And that's not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of your works. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And we discovered that the promises of God all through the scriptures concerning the sacrifice of Jesus are past tense. Uh, and not only that, the Lord Jesus told us in, in Mark 11 and 24, all things whatsoever you pray and ask for in prayer, believe that you received them, it's past tense, literally, received them and you shall have them. All things whatsoever. Everything that you could pray for has already been provided. Everything that you could pray for, according to Jesus, it's already provided in his past tense. We noticed in verses like 1 Peter 2 and 24, it says, Who in his own self bear, past tense, our sins in his body upon the tree, that we, having died unto sins, might live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were, past tense, healed. We were healed. We were delivered from our sins. Romans chapter 6 says he made you free from sin. What we were coming to understand is that we need to see ourselves in the light of what the scripture says has already happened. As people who have already been saved, already been healed, already been delivered, already been provided for, already been protected by God's hand. And if we do that, we learn to enter into God's rest. We learn that God has already provided all these things for us, and it only remains for us to enter into those works which He has done from the foundation of the world through our faith. Literally, the Bible says in 2 Peter 1 and 3, seeing that His divine power hath granted unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Notice that. Seeing that this is what we need to be seeing in the Spirit. Not what we can see in the flesh. It's what we see in the Spirit. This is what it is to walk in the Spirit. To have the eyes of the dove, as Song of Solomon says. To have the eyes of the Spirit. To see things the way God commands us to see things. If we do this, we'll be full of God's holy boldness, His power, His dominion in this earth. Seeing that his divine power hath granted, again, past tense, all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us by his glory and virtue. Through the knowledge, we gain this spiritual sight of seeing that all things have been provided already. Through the knowledge. And the knowledge is is these verses that we've been looking at, these past tense verses concerning the dominion that the Lord has given us concerning the healing and the deliverance and the provision and the protection and all these things that the Lord has already given to us, already accomplished for us at the cross. It says, Whereby He's granted unto us His precious and exceeding great promises, that through these you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that's in the world by lust. The divine nature of Jesus Christ is imparted to the people who uh, seriously take these precious 
and exceeding great promises. And uh, realize through the eyes of the Spirit that they've already been given everything that's necessary for this life. Everything. So basically, that kind of brings us up to date somewhat. We discovered that, um, that because of these past tense promises, that, um, for instance, in Hebrews uh, chapter 4, chapter 3 and chapter 4, but specifically chapter 4 right now, we found that in Hebrews chapter 4 that we could enter into what the Bible calls the rest. Why? Because we don't have to struggle, we don't have to strive, we don't have to earn or even convince God of our needs. All we have to do is accept what the Bible says that He's already provided them. And uh, so now any, any, uh, any prayer is a prayer of agreement with what God has already said is ours. And we're told in Hebrews 4 and 1, Let us fear, therefore, lest happily a promise being left of entering into his rest, any one of you should seem to have come short of it. Why should we fear entering into the rest? And notice a promise being left, meaning, of course, that all the promises together, corporately, are there to cause us to enter fully into all of God's rest. The Sabbath was a type and a shadow of this rest. We're to fear not entering into this rest. Why is that? Well, I'll just give you an instance. If we go back into chapter 3, it says in verse 7, Wherefore, even as the Holy Spirit saith, Today, if you shall hear His voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, like as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by proving me and saw my works for forty years. Wherefore, I was displeased with this generation, and I said, They shall, they do always err in their heart, but they did not know my ways, and I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest haply there shall be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief in falling away from the living God. He called not entering into his rest an evil heart of unbelief that causes us to fall away from the living God. Why is that? Well, if you look at the penalty... In Exodus chapter 31, the penalty for not entering into the rest is that we have to live under the curse of death. Exodus 31 and verse 14 says, You shall keep the Sabbath therefore, for it is a holy, for it is holy unto you. Every one that profaneth it shall surely be put to death. For whosoever doeth any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among the people. Any work therein. Well, why is it that all these promises are given to us in a past tense form? It is because if you believe them, you are restrained from doing your own works to bring them to pass. For instance, if we believe that by the stripes of Jesus we were healed, Anything we do to try to get healed proves that we don't believe it was done at the cross. If we believe, for instance, that when we pray we are to believe we have received, then what happens to a person who believes they have received? They can stop. They can cease. They can rest. If we believe 
that we have been saved through faith. By grace have you been saved through faith. And that saved represents all of the needs of God's people, as we saw. Then you can cease. You can rest. You can enter fully into this rest through the promises of God, which the Bible says in in uh, chapter 4. First of all, it warns in verse 2, For indeed, we have had good tidings. This is the real good news, folks, that we've been talking about. We've had good tidings preached unto us, even as also they. But the word of hearing did not profit them, because it was not united with faith with them that heard. So these promises do you absolutely no good until you believe them by faith. Then they cause you to rest. Watch. For we who have believed do enter into that rest, which is what? Ceasing from your works, right? Your own works, your self-works to try to save yourself, heal yourself, deliver yourself, all these things, you know. We enter into this rest by faith. Uh, The penalty for not entering into the rest is to have to put up with the curse of death. Okay? It goes on to say, For we who have believed do enter into that rest, even as he has said, As I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. See, notice the works are past. He's already healed us, already delivered us, already provided for us, already protected us. All these things were accomplished through the sacrifice of Jesus. And, and yet people are not entering in because of unbelief unbelief and they have to live under the curse of death the curse of sin and of death because of a lack of faith Uh, I'm going to go back to chapter 3 and read just a little bit more it says take heed lest happily there shall be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief in falling away from the living God but exhort one another day by day so long as it is called today lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we are become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our confidence firm unto the end. While it is said today, if you shall hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation. So, we have to be confident in these promises firm unto the end. Jesus said, He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. And so we're told down in chapter 4 and verse 9, There remaineth therefore a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For he, the word Sabbath there, by the way, is the only word like it in the New Testament. It's the word sabbatismos. It means a continual rest. This is the only Sabbath that's commanded for the people of God in the New Testament. Okay, It's a continual rest. A continual ceasing from your works. Verse 10. For he that hath entered into his rest hath himself also rested from his works as God did from his. So, the whole point being that because of these promises are past tense, we can't continue to work or we're proving we're not believing the promise. The promise causes us to rest from our works. When we discover that the Lord has already healed us, already delivered us, already provided for us in every form, protected us in every form, we realize that we have entered into this awesome promise of God, this awesome rest. Well, uh, another point I'd like to make to you is in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 
concerning this rest. Let's look at uh, verse 26. It says, For behold your calling, brethren, that not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, and not many noble are called. See, God doesn't want strong, able, wise people. He doesn't need that. He needs a people that are a faithful people, that they believe in His power, in His ability, in what He's already accomplished. Not in what they can accomplish, but what He's already accomplished. This is the important thing to God. So God didn't call many people that were wise after the flesh or mighty. Uh, Not the noble either. Verse 27, But God chose the foolish things of the world that he might put to shame them that are wise. And God chose the weak things of the world that he might put to shame the things that are strong. Things that are weak to the world are strong to God. Uh, Things that are strong to the world are weak to God. God didn't choose the things that the world calls strong or that the world thinks is strong for his methods because he wanted to shame the world. Verse 28, And the base things of the world and the things that are despised did God choose. And the things that are not that he might bring to naught the things that are. Now this is a key here to exactly what we've been talking about. God chose the things that are not that he might bring to naught the things that are so that no flesh should glory before God. God doesn't want man to be able to take any credit for his methods, his salvation in any form, his provision in any form. He didn't want that. So instead of choosing the things that are, God chose the things that are not to bring to nothing or to naught the things that are. The things that that Jesus came to destroy was the works of the devil. Whether it was manifest through people or not, he came to destroy the works of the devil, according to 1 John. And uh, these are the things that are. The curse that we see all around us, the sickness, the death, the destruction, the the depravity, the lack. These are the things that we see around us that Jesus came to destroy. The things that are. Okay, What is the method that he chose to do away with the things that are? He, he called, he decided to use the things that are not. Now when you look at all these promises that we've been talking about, you know, in 1 Peter 2.24, Mark 11.24, 1 Peter 1 and 3, you know, all through the, the many, many promises that we looked at last time concerning the past tense provisions that the Lord has given to us, Colossians 1 and 13, Galatians 3 and 13, all these promises that are past tense. When you look at those promises, you say, I don't see that in the physical realm. They're not something that are. They're something that is not. Every one of those promises, if you look in the natural around you, you see the need, you see the lack, you see the sickness, you see the curse being manifest everywhere. And you look at those promises and you say, that's a thing that is not. Well, that's the only method that God has given to us to use to bring to nothing the curse around us. No matter what form it's in, he's only given that one method. And why? He tells you right here. Because with this method, no flesh should glory before God. Nobody can take credit for what God has done because it's already done. 
And when we cease from our works, when we enter into the rest by believing these promises, that's what brings them into the natural realm. That's what brings them to pass. As we read in Hebrews chapter 4 there, the promises didn't profit them because they weren't mixed with faith in them that heard them. So, what we've got to learn to do is to exercise faith in a promise that's totally outside of our natural sight. We've got to learn to walk in the Spirit. We've got to learn to see things as having already been done, according to Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. All of this has already been done. We've got to be able to see it as done. We've got to be able to imagine it as done. If you can't imagine yourself having been healed, then how are you going to expect to be exercising faith in this? If you can't imagine yourself delivered, if you can't imagine that what the Scripture says about you is true, that you were perfected by one offering, He hath perfected, past tense, all them that are sanctified. Can you imagine beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord so that you can be transformed into that same image from glory to glory? That's faith. is to see the end from the beginning. And, uh, and to, as Romans chapter 4 and 17 says, that God is, is demonstrating to us that He calls the things that be not as though they were. When you look here in, Col- in 1 Corinthians 1 and uh, 28, it says, He chose the things that are not, that He might bring to naught the things that are. How do we bring this to pass? How do we bring to naught the curse around us by using these promises that are not? Well, in Romans chapter 4 and verse, let me show you this, point this out to you. Romans chapter 4 and verse um, 17. I'm going to back up just a little bit to verse uh, 16. It says, For this cause it's of faith, that it may be according to grace, to the end that the promise may be sure to all. Why is that? Everybody doesn't have the same strength. Everybody doesn't have the same opportunity. Everybody doesn't have the same resources. But you know what? Everybody in the kingdom of God, no matter where they live, no matter what their resources, they can have faith. Therefore, they can have all of the benefits of salvation. They can have all of the benefits of Jesus Christ. You know, some people think that their their health comes through uh, health food. Hey, that's not an opportunity that everybody in the world has. It's not an equal opportunity, health food and herbs and all these things that people think that that they can use to heal them. You know what? Those things are things that are. They're not things that are not. God chose the things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are so that nobody could brag. No man could take credit because of their great wisdom. You see? Notice it says, For this cause it's of faith that it may be according to grace to the end that the promise may be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Abraham, the father of us. Now what makes Abraham our father? Not according to the things that are, but according to the promise. We are the seed of the promise. We're Abraham's seed according to faith, right? As it is written, the father of many nations have I made thee, 
before him whom he believed, even God, who giveth life to the dead, and calleth the things that are not as though they were. So, by what right are we children of Abraham? Because God calls the things that be not as though they were, and because he's giving life to the dead. We were dead in our sins, yet through faith we have the life of Christ, and we're now sons of Abraham. God, who calls the things that be not as though they were. We also must do this. By what right are we sons of Abraham unless we claim that right? Unless we accept it by faith that we are sons of Abraham through faith. So you see, it's not just God that calls the things that be not as though they were. It's also us that calls the things that be not as though they were. How do we appropriate God's method in 1 Corinthians chapter 1? And verse 28, to bring to naught the things that are with the things that are not. First of all, we have to give up our works and our methods and our worldly methods in order to bring this to pass. Notice that man chooses to use the things that are to bring to naught the things that are. Man chooses it because then man man gets the glory. It's man's wisdom. Man creates things out of things which do appear. But Hebrews 11 says that faith doesn't use that method. You see, Jesus differentiated with what men say today, that now God uses the methods of the world to bring to pass his healing, his deliverance. Now, where in the scriptures did Jesus demonstrate that? Jesus used the things that are not to bring to pass healing. He just spoke the word. He didn't use the things that are, the methods of man. He didn't use the doctors. He didn't use the medicines. He didn't use anything. He just spoke the word of faith. He used the things that are not to bring to naught the things that are. What about psychiatric problems as people define them as today? The truth is, he didn't use psychiatrists to bring to pass the deliverance of men From the curse, he spoke their deliverance. He commanded the demons to loose their minds. He brought salvation into their life and restored them from their corrupt thinking and their corrupt ways. He said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He used the things that are not to bring to to nothing the things that are. Men always love to use the things that are to try and attempt to do away with the curse, which they cannot. It's a dismal failure. But let me read this to you in Hebrews 11. And it says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, a conviction of things not seen. We're using the things that be not as though they were. The things that are not and calling them as though they were. For herein the elders had witness born unto them. By faith we understand that the worlds have been framed by the word of God so that what is seen hath not been made out of things which appear. That's God's method. Now he's training his sons to walk in that method. Uh, Are using the things that are not, the promises that are past tense, are God's method of bringing to naught the curse that is, and creating his creation. Now man doesn't use that method. Man uses the things that are. Man uses things to try to bring to, 
to naught the curse, to bring to naught sickness, to bring to naught, you know, all these other things. But he tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And what does he say about the things that are made by man? Verse 27. And this word yet once more signifieth the removing, talking about the shaking of all things, the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that have been made, that those things which are not shaken may remain. Notice, man's works, man's methods are all going to fail. The shaking that's coming is going to prove them fruitless. The only thing that's really going to work in the wilderness experience to come, folks, is when God's people call the things that be not as though they were. When they hold fast to these promises that proclaim clearly that we've already received all these things, that they're ours. They're ours now. Uh, look in Second Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verse 16. It says, Wherefore we faint not, But though our outward man is decaying, our inward man is renewed day by day. So the spiritual man, the one that is the Son of God, is growing up. While the old man, the outer man, is decaying. Now what brings this to pass? Well, he tells us. Verse 17. For our light affliction, which is for the moment, works for us more and more exceedingly, an eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. See, many people have their eyes on the things that are seen. They see the kingdom of God, what they think is the kingdom of God, but Jesus said, hey, the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. What is the kingdom of God is not observed by the flesh. When we look at the things that are not seen, we're looking at these promises that tell us what we've been given, that we're a new creation, that old things have passed away, all things have become new, that by that one offering we were perfected. Having therefore these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. What do we use? Well, he tells, he tells us here, while we look at the things which are seen, For we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. They're passing away. The shaking of the whole world is going to prove these things useless, worthless. Not up to the task of destroying the curse or sickness or bring salvation to man in any form. The things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. That means they're for a season or temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. So, the outer man is decaying. This inner man is coming to life. Only while we walk in the Spirit. While we see things the way God commands us to see things. While we accept these promises that proclaim that we've received all these things through the reconciliation of Jesus Christ. We've already received our healing and our deliverance and our provision and our blessing and our protection and our maturity and our uh, perfection. We've already, according to the verses of God. To most people, they look at that and they say, that's 
That's a thing that is not. I can't see it, you know. Well, it's true. You can't see it in the natural, but we claim it by faith. That's the power of faith, the power of the sons of God. We are to walk in the Spirit as our Lord taught us to walk in the Spirit. And we can only do it if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, spiritual eyes and ears. Look at Colossians uh, chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, If then you were raised together with Christ. Why does it say that? Were raised together. The Bible says in Ephesians, hold your finger there, and we'll look at this, Ephesians 2 and 6. It says, uh, verse 5, Even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace have you been saved, and raised us up with him, and made us to sit with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There it is again. We are already made to sit with him. We are seeing the end from the beginning. We are calling the things that be not as though they were, just as God is in this verse. He made us to sit with him in heavenly places. That Notice that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in kindness Toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace have you been saved through faith. Notice the people that walk by faith are going to see this come to pass. The people who walk by faith in verse 5 and verse 6 are going to see this come to pass. People talk about the rapture a lot, but they don't say much about Enoch being raptured by faith. He was translated by faith. What is faith? Faith is the substance of the thing hoped for. While there's no physical evidence even seen. It's, it's you claiming something that you can't see. Calling the things that be not as though they were. So, if you go back to Colossians 3 and 1, he says, If you then, being raised together with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated on the right hand of God. What did Jesus teach us to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What do we have up there seated next to Christ? Is there any sickness there? Is there any demon-possessed Christians there? Is, you know, is there any lack there? Is there any poverty there? Is there any, you know, is, none of these things are there. None of these things are there. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is done in heaven. And he tells us to command his will on earth. What did he say? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. As it doesn't sound much like a prayer, does it? It sounds like he's telling us to exercise authority. To bring the kingdom of God on earth. And who else is going to bring it? The Lord, through us, through the renewed mind, is going to bring the kingdom. The Bible says the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. So, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated on the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are upon the earth. For you died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall be manifested. This means to make visible or to cause to shine forth. You know, When Christ, who is our life, shall be manifested, then shall ye also with him be manifested in glory. He's talking about Christ in you, the hope of glory here. 
He says, set your mind on the things above that you have with Christ, because you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. I also like verse 9 here. It says, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his doings. Now look at this, folks. I had a lady tell me one time that to claim my healing, according to 1 Peter 2.24, that by his stripes I was healed, was a lie. She said, I just can't lie. I can't say I'm healed when I'm not. But the verse says that you are. Now notice it says right here, Lie not one to another. And then it says, Seeing that you have put off the old man with his doings. Now in the natural, folks, that would be a lie. This would be a schizophrenic verse, wouldn't it? He tells you don't lie, but then he speaks something that's not true in the natural. But remember that the things that are not seen are eternal. They're more truthful than the things that are temporal, which we can see. The people of the world lie. We tell the truth when we speak the gospel, the eternal truth. Look, the old man has passed away. All things have become new. That old man was crucified. Reckon yourself to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God. Romans chapter 6 says. It says, He made you free from sin. Romans chapter 6 says. That's the truth. Not in the natural realm, but in the eternal realm. And that's what counts, folks, forever and ever. That's what counts. Why not? One to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his doings and have put on the new man that is being renewed unto knowledge after the image of him that created him. Without the knowledge of these spiritual things that are not, without believing them, without mixing faith with them, we're not coming into the image of him that created. We're just walking in the flesh. Now, you can walk in the natural or you can walk in the spirit. To walk in the spirit is to have the eyes that he commands us to have. To have the faith to speak those things that he commands us to speak. I'm going to give you an example. One of the first ones that ever happened to me and my wife. We were reading the Bible diligently as baby Christians. But we didn't know much of anything, honestly. But um, my wife... And I had been studying the scriptures, and we'd seen scriptures about healing, but we we hadn't really been to a church that believed in that much. Well, I remember, you know, as a very young man, that I I loved uh, motorcycle riding, and uh, I had uh, I had two dirt bikes, one for myself and one for my wife, and I'd been teaching her how to ride this dirt bike. Well, I made a very dumb mistake. I took her to the hills of Mississippi, you know, after I basically taught her the basics of riding a dirt bike. And we were riding over these hills. And, of course, you know, it, it takes a little more expertise to be able to negotiate those hills than, than, a, than a newcomer, you know. And uh, I remember we rode over the top of this hill one time, and my wife peeled off one way, and I peeled off the other way, and, and her side of the hill just went almost straight down, you know, and she was just, I heard her screaming going down the other side of this hill. <laughs> I heard her saying, Mama! That's the truth. She was, Mama! Going all the way down the other side of that hill. I said, why'd you call, why'd you call Mama? You know? But she, she slammed into those woods at the bottom, you see. And uh, I went in there and scraped her up out of there. She had bounced off several trees, and I got her out of there and got her to the hospital. And, and um, basically, she had bruised her kidneys. And 
And we were reading the scriptures and so on and so forth. We were studying the word, and, but we didn't have any knowledge of it, real knowledge of it, you know. But um, they were going to operate on my wife in the following month, they said. They had made a, an appointment. And, um, but they were trying to clear up an infection before they did this operation. So meantime, we, we, um, we went to a Pentecostal church. And we had them pray over her according to the verses that we saw. And um, I think we were home probably about a week or so when my wife was complaining to the Lord. She said to the Lord, Lord, uh, we did what you said there in James chapter 5. We called for the elders, you know, they prayed over us and so on and so forth. And, And so, Lord, I just don't understand why I haven't been healed. And the first time the Lord ever spoke to my wife, Loud and clear in her spirit, he said to her, he said, if you believe that I have healed you, that's what he said. Now, that didn't make a bit of sense to us. She acted on it, but it didn't make any sense to us because we hadn't discovered the fact that we have already been healed. And we didn't know this. So this was revelation straight from the throne room here. And the Lord said, if you believe that I have healed you, then why are you taking all that medicine? Well, now, that's, that's heresy to most Christians right there. In other words, why weren't we acting as though the Word of God was true? Why didn't we believe that by His stripes we were already healed? Why were we trying to use the things that are to heal her? Well, of course, men would have gotten great credit for it. Or maybe even the drugs would have gotten great credit for it. But the Lord wouldn't have gotten credit for it. The Lord was a, is a jealous God, the Bible says. He doesn't want to share His glory with man. The methods that Jesus gave us are the same methods He uses today. Contrary to most modern Babylonish doctrine, the Lord Jesus was careful not to use the methods of man so nobody would get credit but the Father. He jealously guarded the glory of the Father. And of course we should too. Well, let me tell you, when she understood, very basically understood that, okay, Lord, she understood that the Lord was saying, hey, if you believe that I have healed you, that she was already healed. And the question he put in her mind is, why aren't you acting that way? Why are you putting your trust in this? She took her medicine up and she ran in the bathroom and she started pouring it down the commode and flushing it down the commode and she was healed right there. She felt like a warmth go from her feet up to her head and back down to her feet again, and she knew she was healed. Now, let me tell you, it wasn't just the damage that she received on the the dirt bike, because my wife had had kidney problems since she was a little girl. Her mom and dad would take her back and forth. She, it was, a, it was a, a natural weakness that was passed on to her. And uh, when, she, when this warmth came over her body, she knew, she just knew she was healed. And literally, the pain went away. The symptoms went away. You know when the symptoms came back? Listen, the symptoms came back on the day that she had had an appointment to go back to the hospital. They came back. But you know what? We've been studying the Word. We discovered that we were healed at the cross And it had nothing to do with what we saw with our eyes or felt with our body. 
that we were healed at the cross. And we were to call the things that be not as though they were. When these symptoms came back on that particular day, she knew that there was some evil intelligence behind this. And she immediately rebuked this in the name of Jesus Christ. She rebuked those symptoms in the name of Jesus Christ. And you know what? They went away. How many of you have received a healing from God? Or a deliverance? Or a provision? Or victory in your life and in your soul? And then lost it? You know what? Don't walk by sight. Remember, it has nothing to do with what you see. It's calling the things that be not as though they were. Don't be double-minded. Continue to see things the way God tells you to see things. In Peter, for instance. Let me read it to you again. Second Peter 1 and 3. Seeing that His divine power hath granted unto us all things. Remember what Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four: All things whatsoever you ask in prayer. Believe you have received, or believe ye received, and you shall have it. And he says here, Hath granted unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. Seek knowledge, brethren. Seek the Word of God. Seek knowledge. Find out what is yours and claim it. Well, the devil was obviously trying to to steal what God had given her. In the Bible, Jesus clearly said that the devil comes immediately to steal the seed which has been sown in your heart. How does he do that? He puts his thoughts. He puts his symptoms. He gets, gets you to walking by sight again rather than walking by faith in what thus saith the Lord. But she won that battle. By the grace of God, by the wisdom of God, she won that battle. She rebuked the devil. She rebuked the symptoms. They left and she hadn't had them since. She has no more of that weakness that she inherited. The curse that she inherited is gone. God is faithful. We need to be faithful to what He said. We need to abide by His methods. You know, The same thing happened to me. Some years after this, I had an, uh, an opportunity to do pretty much the same thing. We learned from that first lesson the Lord gave us. We learned that the Lord can speak to us even outside of the Word, but that it's in the Word if it's truly Him. And we we searched the Scriptures and we discovered what He meant by if you believe that I have healed you. We've discovered what it meant. I don't know. So many people are suffering, but they won't do their homework. They suffer and suffer and suffer and think, you know, that this is normal. This is normal. Do your homework, folks. Get in the Word of God. That's where salvation and victory comes from. Well, I... I'll share this rather shortly, I think. But some years after this, I had a, a similar situation whereby I broke my arm. And I needed healing from God. And um, to make a long story short, I had been I'd received a, a vision in my mind several times that I was about to hit a car in this vision. And the car had turned sideways in front of me. And here I was on my motorcycle about to hit this car. And... Uh, this literally happened. I, you know, you, you wouldn't have called it an open vision. It wasn't an open vision. It was a vision in my mind. I saw it in my mind three times. It was like a warning that the Lord was giving me of something that was coming. And um, so there came a day I was going to work. Uh, the Lord decided to chasten me because I was speeding on my motorcycle. This was many, many years ago. And... Um, 
I approached the bottom of this interstate ramp. In other words, it was a, a, a ramp going over another highway. And I came up to the bottom of this, and the car in front of me was in the middle lane, and then there was a far lane, and I was on the inside lane. And this car that was ahead of me slammed on its brakes and just just like that turned sideways and covered up two lanes. And, of course, he stopped very fast because the car was sideways, you see. And um, I just couldn't stop. I knew I was going to hit him, and it was like my mind had been programmed to stand up on my motorcycle because that's what I saw in my visions. I saw myself about to hit this car, and suddenly I stood up on my motorcycle, stood up on the foot pegs. And you know what? It just happened to me automatically. It was like the Lord programmed me to do this, you know. So I saw this car. Man, I was bearing down on this car at, you know, probably 65 miles an hour. And uh wasn't nothing I could do. I was just going to hit it. And it was stopping right there in front of me, you know. So I suddenly stood up. Didn't think about it or anything. I just stood up. And I, I steered the bike just just the last moment before I hit the car. I moved, you know, away from the driver away from the front wheel, kind of in the place between the wheel and the driver. And I hit, I just plowed into that car with my bike, going, you know, very fast. And um, my trajectory was pointed up because we had just started up on this this overpass ramp. And I literally flew over the front of that car because I was standing up. If I wouldn't have been standing up, I'd pro- I, I'm sure I would have been dead. Or if I would have laid it down like normally people do and let the bike, you know, slide up. I didn't even have time to do that. But uh, to slide up under the car, I think I would have probably been dead too. But instead, since I was standing up and my bike suddenly stopped and I didn't, I flew over the hood of the car in that trajectory. And I landed up on top of the overpass. And I've thought many times since then, I thought, boy, I would love to have had a picture of that, you know, me flying through the air. You know, because it was a pretty good long flight, too. I landed quite a ways from the car that I hit. So I landed up there on the uh, on the overpass. And um, to make a, real, a long story short, I'm going to make it short because I'm running out of time here. An ambulance came and took me to the hospital. The first time I'd ever been to a hospital since shortly after becoming a Christian or even been to a doctor since shortly after becoming a Christian. They called me up to the hospital. I was witnessing to the nurses. I just had the joy of the Lord literally all over me. I was just full of the joy of the Lord. I was worshiping and praising God. It was just like the Spirit of the Lord came down on me while I was on top of that interstate ramp. And I started praising the Lord. Literally, my sight was gone when I hit the concrete and I lost my sight. And when I started praising the Lord, my sight started coming back as I was praising the Lord. And um, so the ambulance came and hauled me to the hospital. They x-rayed my arm. My arm was broken. I told the doctor, I said, I don't, you know, he was going to set my arm and put it in a cast. I said, I don't want you to do it. I said, don't touch my arm. Uh, And I just basically told him, I forget exactly what I told him, but basically the fact that the Lord's always healed me and he's going to heal me this time too. So, so, um, sure enough, I, I didn't let him set my arm. A friend, my wife came with the car. They had to put, wheel me over and put me in the car. Because I'd stretched out all my ligaments in my flight. You know, I think maybe one foot actually hung on the handlebars or something. And it pulled my shoe off or something like that because it just stretched me out. And uh, when I got home, my my next door neighbor actually carried me into the house and laid me in the bed. So we prayed the prayer of faith, he and I. And I accepted my healing. 
And as as soon as I could, just I think in a day or two, I was up and walking around, you know, hobbling around, literally. And um, I walked around my neighbor's yard, who who I had been helping to clear some property, clear some of the trees and the brush off. And he had a backhoe, and we were cutting the limbs off of the trees and cut and and burning the trunks and burning the brush and so on and so forth. And um, so I, I walked around his house, and I was on the way back to my house, and uh, I passed up this fire that was burning, burning the brush, the limbs off of the trees and stuff. And there was a trunk of this tree. It was a fairly good-sized trunk. It was about so big, and it was fairly long. It was a pretty good load for, for me, even if I hadn't had a broken arm. <laughs> you know, so I thought to myself, I'd love to pick up that trunk and just kind of heave it over on the fire and burn it in half. So that the next time we would, it'd be easy to handle, you know. So I, I always kind of think that way. I try to do things efficiently, you know. So but the next thought that came into my mind was that, yeah, if you pick up that trunk, though, what's going to happen to your arm, you know, because it's just flesh holding it. It's broken. And then the next thought I knew was from the Lord, because the next thought that came into my mind was, yeah, but if you're healed, you can pick that log up. And I knew that's what the Bible said. I had studied my word. I knew that by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. That this is something that's already accomplished and that when we, that we can act upon what God says. Much like Peter, you know, who walked on the water when the Lord said, come. He just, he was walking on the word of God. <laughs> water doesn't hold people up, but the word of God does, you know. So, Basically, I um, I thought, that's right, I agree, I am healed. And I reached down and picked that log up and heaved it over on the fire, and I never felt a thing. I mean, I never felt no pain, no nothing. And I knew I was healed. And um, the next day, I believe, I was back out at the plant wanting my job back, you know. And, uh, and uh, they sent me through the infirmary. I worked at Exxon at the time. They sent me through the, they had a pretty nice hospital out there at Exxon that they would, um, you know, if they had any problems with people at work or people coming back to work or whatever, you know. And um, they sent me to the infirmary. They wouldn't let me come back to work. And the doctor said, well, Mr. Eels, it takes at least 12 weeks for a break like this to heal. And I told him, I said, doctor, I'm healed. I'm healed. By the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. He said, well, you'll have to go prove it. You go get this x-ray. And I went and took the x-ray, and the x-ray proved it was healed. The man was very confused. (laughs) He didn't understand how this was possible. And I asked him, you know, I says, well, doctor, what religion are you? And he told me what it was. And he says, I said, well, well, don't you people believe that um, the Lord heals? He says, yeah, but we believe that the Lord uses doctors to heal. I said, well, he didn't do it this time. And ultimately, the guy had, I did calisthenics for him. I had to prove to him that my arm was healed. They finally had to let me go back to work. You know, God doesn't want to use the methods of man. He wants to use the methods of Jesus. He wants to bring it to pass for the glory of God. Praise God that he is faithful to his word, that we can stand on that word, we can act on that word, even though we don't see it in the physical realm. We can act on that word. I tell you, if you need a miracle, act on what thus saith the Lord. Because he is faithful to bring it to pass. 
faithful every time to bring it to pass. You think, that would be a dangerous thing to do. What if God didn't answer? (laughs) What if he fell off his throne too, right? No. The Lord knows that he's given us these so that we can be partakers of his divine nature, of his power, of his dominion, and of his blessings. And he's going to bring it to pass when we act upon it. That's why people don't ever see the answers, is they don't act upon it. So, brethren, act on the word of God. Imagine that these promises are true. Imagine yourself as healed, just like the Bible says, and walk by faith. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. In Jesus' name. For information, materials, and to contribute, go to www.americaslastdays.com. Contributions only may be addressed to David Eels, Post Office Box 231616, Montgomery, Alabama 